0: Hey, this is Autumn DeWilde. I directed Emma. And this is Eleanor Cashin. I wrote the screenplay.
1: This is Christopher Blavelt, cinematographer.
0: And when someone with a New Zealand accent speaks, you know it's the writer, just (laughs) letting you know. (laughs) The two kids from L.A. are over here. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually fun to talk about these details. I think so much research went into this movie and into our hearts and also into the history of the 19th century and jane austen so it's kind of overwhelming to start talking about it and we decided to use this quote coming up because i really wanted to remind the audience how young she is and and that she is spoiled and it almost like lets you know that it's okay to be mad at her
2: mm-hmm. it's such a great opening to a book as well the idea that she's had very little to distress her and that
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know dot, dot dot until now yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's such a promise to it yeah <laughs> Something that's kind of interesting about these first few scenes of the film is that they weren't actually in the shooting script. But actually, that very first shot of Emma opening her eyes—I remember that was something that—that that, that was an idea you had, really, actually, quite late in the shoot. Yeah. Um, wanting to have an option that would be able to bookend the very end of the film, where, you know, she closes her eyes. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I love bookends, you know. And, mm-hmm, me too. And you were so open about adding these. Like, there were a lot of visual ideas that came to me sometimes through the research I did, and and in this scene i want emma to i want to see this sort of it's like the beginning of a movie that's telling you how beautiful she is and how romantic it is with the flowers and i think that then it's sort of funnier that she sort of is such a brat (laughs) you know and um and but it is coming from a historical source because um only the very wealthy could have a bouquet for a wedding that was flowers from a hothouse miss mm. taylor would have just gathered her bouquet from you know the her walk to the church mm. so this bouquet she's made for her is actually very significant mm. and and she's kind of immature in some ways even though she's really supremely intelligent and uh and so it was a way of sort of bringing her from this sort of bratty teenager personality into the little girl who's about to lose the only mother she's really ever known
2: i love the idea of the hothouse as well kind of symbolically not only is she an incredibly sheltered person, yeah. like the most sheltered of all of Jane Austen's heroines for sure, but also the hothouse would have been full of exotic flowers. And, you yes. know, em- Emma's never been anywhere. She's been kind of intellectually and creatively stifled in this tiny little town where she lives. So there's, there's something really, um, I don't know, something poignant about it really. I love how
0: um, I've known you this long and now you still blow my mind with your <laughs> poignant <laughs> <laughs> observations. <laughs>
3: just few possess the governess in office
0: but a well, little short of a mother in affection I wish you every happiness on your wedding since Chris is here I think um you know it was really there's a lot of stuff that happens in this day you know she wakes up and and sort of we need to feel like it's Dawn and and then you know the light starts pouring in and they have to go to this wedding so and Chris I I think like the way that oh God
2: no, oh, I love the way this is shot. I love the the kind of the choreography of it. The, yeah, I
1: was going to say the choreography is yeah. like Autumn's
2: I was about to
1: expertise I was I was
2: about to lay
1: No way we could
0: I was do a l- scene with this many
1: people without it being coming up dance. You know?
0: It's so funny. I was about to lay so many compliments uh, on you and then I thought, "Hold on. We got to talk hold about this on, choreography." This is my movie, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we um we shot that scene all and I choreographed it with the actors and the servants and, you know, and and Chris and, you know, yeah, the cameras, you know, we were all sort of going at once almost like it was a ballet. We had this concept that Emma is like a sort of visual metaphor that her life operated like clockwork. That's what makes her father feel more comfortable. It's mm-hmm. what makes her feel like she's in charge and powerful. So this whole beginning part is just to sort of show what a perfect life she has, you know.
1: It's the greatest amusement in the world. And after such success, you know.
0: And this walk into the church is kind of like the popular girl in high school, Mm. walking down the hall as all the people she sort of deems below her move out of her Mm. way.
3: Miss Gilbert,
0: Mrs. Cox. Mr. Woodhouse, sir. Miss Woodhouse. Mr.
3: Cole, Mrs. Cole.
2: So actually everything that's happened up until now doesn't actually occur in the book. The The book begins right after the wedding of Mr. and Mrs. Weston and all of the dialogue you just heard in the in the carriage actually takes place at Hartfield with Mr. Knightley present. It's, I've kind of lifted it and put it in a different context. Yeah. And one of the reasons actually was, you know, you mentioned the kind of the walk, the high school corridor walk. <laughs> yeah. And it was in order to, so kind of the the idea in my mind when I was writing the script was to establish Emma's social standing in the town mm. and kind of make it very clear from the beginning that she you know this is yeah. this is her domain kind of thing which you really need an ensemble scene in order to in order to show that
0: yeah yeah and it's such a beautiful way to sort of establish the geography of of her world as well you know and we spent a lot of time looking for this church that I found out that the Victorians ruined a lot of churches. <laughs> so finding a Georgian church was, was really challenging. And-
2: well, actually, do you remember when we were filming, and this is a, the, the church is in a little town called Hitchin, which is just quite near Cambridge in the mm-hmm. UK. And there was an Austin buried in the church where we were filming. Do you remember that? You didn't
0: tell me that. Oh,
2: I took a photo of it on my phone. I should, well. I'll should. i send it to you. It was actually right, it was right where we were. We were sitting where our monitors were set up. How um, suspicious. Yeah, it was, it was a, I think it was a John Austin.
0: Oh John. It is maybe worth <laughs>
1: worth saying that we've only used part of the church yeah. and Cave and what she did in this place was incredible.
0: Yeah, Cave Quinn basically the part of the church behind Mr. Elton, that is the Georgian part. We actually had to change the window because it was, you know, Victorianized. So she used some magic for that in camera. And then built the pews in the and the in the back of the church to match that sort of original Georgian interior. <laughs> Oh this is interesting I mean I think cuz I see a lot of weddings in Jane Austen films and I did a lot of research on okay what was what really did they do did they have weddings you know and they didn't really weddings weren't as big a deal so there were smaller numbers of people invited and and I and, think it was
2: it was illegal to get married in the afternoon Yeah you had to get so married in the morning <laughs> Yes yeah, so a wedding breakfast were but Yeah so
0: yeah so they had a wedding breakfast and and and, oh, hang on, yeah. hang no, on. Guys, we we, to, to we have to stop. <laughs> Hold on. I just this is so stressful because I know that I've, whatever I say is about to overlap something like a nude scene. So
2: I just have to say, for the record, that this this scene was not in the script. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that I'm complaining. But
0: <laughs> well, there's a really good reason for it, though. Besides, you know, um the adoring of Mr. Knightley. You know, I, I think because he's about to go boss him around a lot, and I and I thought it was really important to see. The human underneath, you know, his armor, but also I had never seen how a man dressed in that time period, and and that was fascinating to me. It, uh, you know, I'm obsessed with fashion history, and and so I didn't know they didn't wear underwear. I didn't know, you know, that he basically wears stockings and a and a dress underneath everything, just hmm. like Emma, and that was interesting. In marriage, if
2: you never put it out, it's just such a shame to see it standing by.
0: Another thing I want to add, actually, is that. We covered the statues and the, the furniture in his house to give the idea that he really only lives in a small part of the house and that he's really sort of living in a museum. Mm. I felt like, you know, it, I couldn't, I didn't really believe that he would want to move in with Emma and Mr. Woodhouse at the end unless their home really felt like home to him. And so we we're trying to visually
1: make a contrast mm. of the yeah. two.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I remember some of our first conversations about the story when we first met you said the key to Emma like the the kind of the key to the whole story is is mr. Woodhouse is her relationship with him has to be so affectionate and the way that he's paternal towards her and the way that everybody kind of indulges him kind of despite the fact he's you know he's a bit of a pain in the neck sometimes yeah and you can definitely Um, interpret
0: him that way (laughs) Mm -hmm. and and that's the great thing about this story is that Mr Woodhouse and all the characters could transform based on Mm -hmm. sort of how you read them but I just felt like you know the type of person that's so much trouble like he is but you just love every second of it Mm -hmm.
2: it's kind of worth indulging him yeah Yeah. because he's
0: so charming and so and I thought also it would help I think we talked about this. She's so intelligent, but she's so immature in a lot of ways. And and her father is so immature in a lot of ways. And so mm-hmm. it sort of seemed like, you know, well, of course she ended up this way. You know, yeah, it's the, the muscle in that family that is the least developed. It's a sort mm-hmm. of emotional maturity.
2: You see he wished exceedingly to come but his aunt and uncle could not spare him
0: well i dare say he might have come i
2: think jane austen's mother was a, a massive hypochondriac
0: yes yeah. i remember reading that yeah. yeah i mean mr woodhouse is a as you know a valetudinarian <laughs> which is how we're bringing this Naturally. up.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> which took me a long time to learn how to say but is an important distinction as you know because it means that he is obsessively concerned with the health and safety of himself and other mm-hmm. people, which is a bit more generous than someone who invents illnesses for themselves. Oh, for as long as
3: she could say so, her nephew was not a doctor. If he had told her simply and resolutely that he, that he must attend
2: his- So this conversation that um, Emma and Mr Knightley are having is again um, kind of stolen from another part of the novel. It actually occurs um, at the end of book one, so kind of a third of the way through the book. But because oh. Frank Churchill a, as a character is absent for so long and on screen, it's, it's very important and um, you kind of maybe especially on screen to create a sense of people being missed and anticipated and, and to kind of trying to create a presence for a character even if they're not physically present, Yeah. Um, that, uh, so, so that was kind of the reason for breaking that argument up into multiple which, um, which kind was, of parts and, which and dispersing it. Yeah,
0: which was so smart because it, it begins the sort of jealousy that just sort of tickles Mr Knightley, but it's not driving him crazy yet, and, and it sort of hints at her loneliness and um, she doesn't want to marry or need to marry because of her financial independence but she that doesn't mean that she wouldn't be curious about what it might be like Mm -hmm. to have a crush or to feel the feelings of love Mm -hmm. i love this scene because we only had like 10 minutes to shoot it (laughs) (laughs) remember chris Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um, we had a plan to, to get it and um and everyone you know i think this is where like my cast really so amazing because it was like having like a ballet company or like a company of actors that were really experienced with improv and fresh ideas so i just love that basically mr woodhouse and emma are completely you know have their own dialogue and and it's overlapping but they don't seem to hear each other you know which helps set up harriet's entrance This tea scene was sort of choreographed like a ballet mm-hmm. so fun 14
3: of your birth harriet ought to make you particularly careful as to your associates
2: there can be no doubt of you being a
3: gentleman's daughter
2: i think i'm getting drawn into the film yeah, so I, was, so I, I forgot to talk for a while <laughs> <laughs> i wanted you to stop talking so i could watch the
0: make <laughs> uh, okay well um, yeah, I know, and Chris, I really mm. want to celebrate you, but there's so much well, to it's say.
1: okay. Yeah, I'm enjoying watching as well. Miss <laughs> Indigo.
0: I um,
2: wonder, Autumn, yeah. if you could talk about how the costume designer and, and the production designer work together, because I think that's, oh, so, yeah. that's so interesting.
0: Well, um, Alexander Byrne, who designed the costumes, and Cave Quinn, and, and Maurice Langan, who did the hair and makeup. Mm. I mean, the way I've always worked, you know, before making this, this is my first film, was that I found, I had great success in short form commercials and music videos by bringing the teams together and and starting from scratch together so that we could create like a set of color rules for each character and the world because it's sort of unfair for, you know, the costume designer to do all this work and then have a surprise result with the set, you know, and so we exhaustively dyed you know, Alexander Byrne brought dyed fabrics, silks, wools, caves team brought wallpapers and giant paint chips and we basically auditioned the colors for every character and for every season in all the rooms they would be in just to make sure that they were Mm -hmm. harmonious because the idea was that when emma walks into our room she's like the last puzzle piece in, in to complete the puzzle or
3: oh, yeah or right. harriet
0: is or mr elton is and and they just you know that you get that satisfaction when they enter the room that they're exactly where they should be mm. but also it really helped tell us what season we're in whether it was cold or hot and it's interesting how when you keep visiting these same rooms the feeling of them changes mm-hmm. with the season because of the clothes and because of your lighting Chris here I brought it in <laughs> we, <laughs> nice were, segue. we started every day right with what season is this and yeah. and dealing with the weather that we were given you know that day
3: and he has his aunt to care for I have papa
0: I actually love the way you lit this crisp because yeah, it's so beautiful because oh, yeah. it's yeah, such a dark is, room and we kept it feeling dark but you feel the yeah the, the wood the, walls the were it's really kind of nice to light, light in there yeah.
1: Shout out to Paul McGeegan, best gal forever.
0: What I love about that room too, even though we left it so quickly, <laughs> is that the gold painted details in the wall, which were a part of the the actual house, and, and Cave Quinn and her team, just the set decoration was just brought all of the, the potential of those rooms to life, and still made it feel lived in, but very designed.
3: Hmm. I have none of the usual inducements of women to marry. Fortune, I do not want, employment I do not want consequence i do not want i believe few married women are half as much mistress
2: emma's them. been i think there, there's a i can't remember who said it but a, a critic said of emma that it's the most weather dependent of all of jane austen's novels oh that's so true um, you know it, it takes place over a calendar year of emma's life but um and here, it almost killed us right Chris? yeah <laughs> <laughs> the sun's out the sun's yeah, oh <laughs> out the sun's yeah. in uh, but it, you know in, in every season there's something that happens that is kind of critical for the, for the characters, you know, whether it's rain or snow or, yeah. or, or people being too hot yeah. <laughs> in the summer. <laughs> But I remember, you know, that, that scene where they were um, just saying goodbye at Hartfield. Do you remember when we were filming that? It was lambing season. At
3: yes, the, at the, <laughs> at oh, the, it the yeah. It
2: was really was horrifying. So Chris so called were, it. We were
0: drive up to <laughs> drive up to Furl House and Chris called it Afterbirth Alley. <laughs> we, we saw so many baby lambs before oh on the way to work. i would
2: never seen mm. I've never seen anything like that. So up close and personal, yeah. you know, you'd see about five births on in the course of a, about a five minute card, <laughs> and also the sheep were so mean to their kids I mean they would just give birth and they'd run away yeah. and the poor kid would be like you know attached to the mother and trying so desperately to free itself
0: I think that's a direct parallel to growing up in the 19th century yeah. <laughs> yeah. wasn't Jane Austen raised by her neighbor until she was five? Oh, right <laughs> which was really common actually it right. sounds cruel but it was very common
3: Campbell and uh where's the letter
0: Oh Miranda Hart oh, man, man. you just break my heart I just love you so much This was I she's a comic genius The great thing about doing the scene was that we choreographed it first you know and this was sort of a deal I had with the actors so I was going to restrict them with the and they were a part of the collaboration of the choreography and then each actor would bring it to life and make it feel like it had happened accidentally which I thought was there was such a fun result to that original constriction you know
3: and jane by the sudden whirling around- i love
0: this too because emma's so bored by miss bates but <laughs> harriet is already betraying her by being fascinated yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh and cave quinn designed this haberdasher because i love the general store in little house on the prairie so much oh yeah that yeah. i said i know we only have one scene in here but can we make like like the craziest haberdasher you've ever dreamed up and she's like oh yeah we're gonna do this and then i was like and we're putting this scene in there and that scene in there i was so in love with it i kept changing the location of the scenes that you'd written oh
2: yeah well i think this originally took place in the market square it did i I was was like i was like screw the
0: market square we need to go in that haberdasher
2: and actually miranda rewrote a lot of a lot of her own dialogue for that so, yeah not to take it away from the book but actually to put more of the book back in
0: which is so actually yeah. i'm going to give you some major props here because you're such an incredible writer but you were so open to the ideas of the actors and developing their characters and and my crazy ideas
2: <laughs> well i mean miranda's an amazing writer in her she own, is own yeah. right you know,
0: but still you know i think it's like a, it's it should be noted that you didn't find that threatening at all oh, no. i'm not sure there's a lot of uh, writers like that out there <laughs> (laughs) Ooh, this is Compliment City. this i felt so remember chris i was so in love with this road that then we like basically instead of this whole traveling to town plan we had i was just put every scene i could <laughs> as, as this <laughs> symbolic road between emma's house and the town which i sort of liked the simplicity of seeing it seeing it change over the seasons
1: i agree and i think the wind in in uh in these scenes added so much oh, remember how so much great. i
0: wanted wind and and then we magically got it on all the scenes we were even going to fake it in some scenes and we never had to.
1: Yeah, we talked about what it would take and it would be a giant Ritter fan and yeah. we, got it. we got it from nature. It yeah, great.
0: John Casali was a little <laughs> bit frustrated with the sound, with the wind, but he yeah. masterfully helped us through that. I do want to shout out to our VFX team because we didn't do any big moves, like you know, but they really helped us since we couldn't film in autumn with a very light painterly touch. They added those autumnal elements of the season, sort of changing and the leaves, changing without feeling like we'd gone into a fake world of of VFX, and it really helped. The idea of separating it by seasons actually happened in the edit. Mm.
2: Yeah, I think I think that worked really well to kind of anchor anchor it to to to, to the passing of time in a way, and, yeah, and Emma's Emma's development.
0: Yeah, and it sometimes helped with the humor too to feel like you know. This had been going on for a long time, you know, <laughs> like we had a new season, you know.
3: Considering how very handsome you are, you seem little occupied with it.
0: Your vanity lies a different way. I love how <laughs> Mr. Knightley is in
2: this. <laughs> well actually in, in the novel he he doesn't say that to Emma's face. Oh really? I, I not um, remember I th- that. I think he says it in the scene that's coming up uh, with Mrs. Weston. He says her vanity lies a different way, so he's he's talking about her, but not not to her. That's funny.
1: You learn a lot about their relationship right now.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I think that, you know, them enjoying poking at each other is an important part. You know, they have to argue in so many different ways. And I thought a lot about, you know, how do we make sure we don't exhaust the audience with their... With their... Oh, I love this shot. Sorry. (laughs) I'm going to take a break for the schoolgirls. I love red and green, you guys. These actually these capes are historically accurate for that time period. <laughs> and uh, I, there's been a lot of questions about that. But I do love color, but I didn't invent that. Uh. <laughs> but I do love that book, Madeline, those Madeline oh, books. Yeah. And um, and the, t- the schoolgirls walking in perfect unison was a big influence on visually on this film.
2: Emma's wearing, I think, my favorite of her <laughs> costumes in this film. Oh, yeah. I remember when we, we shot this, I, I said <laughs> to Autumn on the day, it was like uh, the day before, she'd written Harriet a note and said, I know, let's both wear high waisted dresses, <laughs> um, high neck dresses tomorrow. And Harriet was like, all right. And so she turned up with a very sober one and Emma like totally outmanoeuvred her. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's great. <laughs>
0: it would indeed let me entreat you Miss Woodhouse now at once. <laughs> I love this because they're, they're objectifying Harriet, and I actually made such an extravagant visual display of this objectifying. I just sort of like became obsessed with screens, which is obvious, <laughs> as the movie continues on. And I just wanted basically Harriet to be Emma's doll, you know, and, um, and her to sort of have this dollhouse built around her. I just imagined her driving all the servants crazy like preparing for this day to impress Mr Elton with her beauty but but of course you know Elton's only interested in flirting with Emma and Emma's so blinded by her her objective here
3: without <laughs> compare
2: I love how Mr. D- Mr. Whitehouse is so mean about the picture, I know. they're yeah. just laughing at it. <laughs> I know, Bill,
0: you know what I wish we could have put in the movie was all oh, the ridiculous um, improv that they were saying on their way in. The wisteria are really... Out- <laughs> I do, you know how they go, they're out of control. <laughs> I also, you know, the all these scenes are also to show how these people are sort of stuck with each other. You know, the vicar, was, you know, is often going to be there, and Mister Knightley is, you know, this is sort of his second home as the neighbor, and and he sort of has to tolerate uh, Emma's new friends now, and mm-hmm. uh, and um, and. An, and they they really don't have anything to do but sort of, you know, stand around in drawing rooms, you know, mm. gossiping.
2: I love how that theme in the score is preparing us for the late, the more, much more romantic scenes later. Yeah, it is, kind of comes up, up as a refrain again and again.
0: Yeah, Isabel Wallerbridge. Um, uh, we talked. to She's so amazing, and and uh, and we talked a lot about how. Um, I wanted uh you know the orchestra to sort of sound like a misbehaving orchestra or that like the conductor was overwhelmed and assign (laughs) instruments to each character you know and and since those those instruments and those themes were assigned to the character the 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 maybe the orchestra was affected emotionally by the scene or was warning the audience of what was about to happen to that character because they cared about them so much it would do her good Oh, you don't know how you're gonna feel <laughs> 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 blindness is we, you and mm. I talked a lot about blindness that was mm. something in this the story that you turned me on to was um, how each character has a blindness you could yeah, say well it, actually
2: that, that's why I, I felt it was so important to include. His interactions with Mr. Martin and not just have them reported as sometimes they are in other other adaptations of this book, yeah, and um, because in a way, I mean he's he's such a meddler. He's as much a meddler as Emma is. He
0: is. and and robert martin is is his project, right just as much <laughs> as Harriet is her project, mm-hmm. but he just has maybe a lighter touch. Mm.
2: <laughs> but he also has more freedom. you does. know as a as a gentleman, he's able to. Do things like buy him sheep and <laughs> take him to market and so on. <laughs> i remember chris we were like how does
0: anyone know what they just did yeah they just like they yeah. rode off and came back
1: you guys <laughs> fixed that in the edit for yeah. sure
0: <laughs> but it was you're right an important scene and that's why yeah it's there this scene was really choreographed like a music box you know emma's the ballerina in the center of the music box and she's actually on Harriet's plinth that she's standing, you know, when she paints Harriet, she's, she's now acquired it to be sort of, uh, I just love that she doesn't step down from her little pedestal until she gets scared enough to have to walk away.
1: And that look at the end when she knows she's gotten um, Harriet to do what she wants. Yeah. It's so, and it's sort of off camp. It's a way she's turned away from Harriet.
0: Yeah. I also love this shot so much because you can see the yellow silk slip underneath the white, which was this beautiful design by Alexandra Byrne that Emily is often wearing, you know, a, a silk dress underneath that's green or or yellow. And, you know, and, and that makes her white dress just a, that little bit more special than anybody else's because it changes that white muslin into a sort of pale, pale yellow. You must be the best judge of your own happiness. And in that shot, because the light is hitting her, you can see it in the mirror.
2: When I was writing the script of this scene, it felt important to bring the servants into it, you know, to to both to, to kind of show what with what impunity Emma speaks you know in front of these people who you know for, for her yeah. they almost don't exist she's so used to yeah being waited on and, and but, that, yeah sorry but, yeah. but also to show that for Harriet her her world is starting to change as well because yeah. she she speaks quite freely in front of these people that actually are yeah are her social equals and Emma is not her social equal but the, the, then the substance of this argument that we you're about to see with her and Mr Knightley is kind of Prefigured in that scene because her- Harriet is starting to get more used to Emma's world than to the servants' world.
0: Yes, and, and because you had pointed that out when we were, when I was directing that scene with Harriet, the this part of the movie where she feels uncomfortable handing her hat to her without her bonnet to her without saying anything, and um, and like you said, through the movie, she's she's um, more and more able to treat the servants like they're invisible.
3: Probably that, no of,
0: of <laughs> argument is so fun
3: very liberal. nothing has been grudged for her
0: improvement she is known only as a parlor boarder at a common school she's pretty and she's good tempered and that is all that is all so chris you should talk about how we because this was a very complicated scene to shoot
1: yeah we we spent some time plotting this out it was such a lot of dialogue that had to happen throughout the whole house so we chose our moments where to stop and have them talk like this part
0: yeah, and and you lit it so well because we really we had to shoot it over what two days, right? So it needed to feel like you know yeah, the same and there was
1: windows everywhere. So we had to control. <laughs> uh, we did what we could to control it when we could, and yeah, again Paul McGeeek the best scaffer. It
0: was so great too we are this was like a something that i cooked up i really wanted to have like a chase scene basically it's like an action movie yeah yeah <laughs> this is like uh, steve mcqueen and bullet or something no like it that. adds a level of urgency to the whole thing it's
1: great the movement's really nice
0: yeah and it's that cat and mouse kind of thing and i sort of love how both of them are are guilty of something in this argument even though he's he's mm. he's being so Honest with Emma in a way that she needs to hear, but she also makes such a brilliant point. Oh,
2: she, her argument is, is not bad at all. Yeah, <laughs> and I
0: love that he's overwhelmed with being frustrated with her, her intelligence, but he doesn't discount the truth that she's saying. He's mm. just mad at her for using it in a in a in an argument when she's guilty.
2: And I think, yeah, I mean, she's so lonely. I mean, what she says mm-hmm. at the end, you know. She I know that I am done with the match. Right, she only wants to it get could get be the truth, her. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I
0: only want to keep Harriet mm, Anya was really great because we actually had— She said this a few different ways. She said it defiantly. She said it like she didn't care about Harriet or Mr. Knightley or anyone but herself. And then, and then she did it like um, a child that— <laughs> A child that had sort of been abandoned and wanted to keep that one doll for herself. Oh, how can we not talk about this? <laughs> oh, Josh O'Connor, we just love you, and Bartholomew and Charles and uh, and Letty um, uh, really played a big part in the comedy of this. You know, we we decided to add um, these sort of servants that never speak because of the to sort of point out the ridiculous life that. You know the wealthy still live you know and they live their lives in front of these Mm. servants that are supposed to be invisible um and poking fun at that was was really great and we're lucky that those three actors were willing to play those um those characters because they're really um, great physical comedians
3: If, if
2: there are any actors or aspiring actors listening to this commentary i think that the um ollie <laughs> who plays mr john knightley is such a good uh, study and if if you want more lines <laughs> in, a, in a film yeah. you're in just be irrepressibly yeah. amusing and and just say more lines (laughs) and and then you will get more lines in the movie (laughs) true ollie ollie (laughs) added i called if you (laughs)
0: weren't on set i called (laughs) you um, on every scene he did to say ollie has this idea (laughs) 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 and um he makes the misery so hilarious i know i know he's so funny this baby by the way Mm. those tones what this like it was that foot was her feet were out of control it was so cute Um, I love this scene because, because that baby is unbelievable. (laughs) Um, you know, in the book, I loved in the book how, um, Emma uses, uh, the baby to try and lure Mr. Knightley into sort of not being angry at her anymore. Um, uh, I really, I feel like we successfully achieved in this scene. It takes a long time to find the right sounds for a wet <laughs> <laughs> diarrhea fart <laughs> and the spit-up, by the way. <laughs> Major props to our sound <laughs> designer, Glenn Fremantle. <laughs> oh yeah, Ollie added that line. <laughs> you wrote it but you know (laughs) he would usually we called eleanor Catton the the jane austen translator and so you know if someone would come with an idea and i would like look at eleanor i'm like okay translate into austin speak and then she would come up with the right the right way to say it
3: far as good intentions went
0: we were both in the right i love this scene for a lot of reasons but this is the first time we see mr knightley like so (laughs) (laughs) like not just mortified at her behavior but just like i hate you (laughs) you make me so mad also this was like you know this is one of those like near miss kiss moments you know i i on purpose tried to you know you and i talked about this chris like this needs to be like one of those those, well, we like, used
1: our depth of field, finally. Sparkling hair. We candles. chose our moments to use the shallow depth of field in the large format. Yeah. For those type of moments.
0: Yeah, to almost uh, say to the audience, this is, in a movie, this would be where they would kiss for the first time. And then, because it was really fun to, like, walk you up to that romantic moment and then have one of them blow it. Emma blows it by being such a brat. This is definitely another high school. Like, uh, you know, I, I came to you asking if we could add this, because I wanted to see... I wanted to see Emma go into a school because she was, you know, had to learn. She didn't go to school. She wasn't around all these girls. And I thought, slowly we start to see the world Harriet is coming from and that she's kind of pulling her away from. Um, And this is like the triumphant walk of the most popular girl in school.
3: Get back in bed at once.
0: Mia Goth is so cute when she plays (laughs) sick, by the way. (laughs) Those two, these two cuties. God. I also feel like this is a chance to see Emma as, you know, a young girl that just wants her friend to go to the party with her. She definitely does want to control and and raise uh, um, Harriet's position in society, but she also just wants her bud at that party, mm-hmm. you know? And I thought, and you played that so beautifully, you can see the kind of... Yeah,
2: there's a lot of tenderness. In yeah. This. Yeah.
0: And this is where you also see Harriet's propensity for crazy deep crushes. <laughs> <laughs> We also kind of musically made that a warning, like none of this is going to work out by the Uh. way. (laughs) Because Harriet always tells Emma how kind she is and so does Miss Bates. They're the two characters that are always, you know, always pretty much only believe in her good until she betrays them.
2: Well, actually, in the novel, Mr. Woodhouse always does that as well. Yes, but actually, you're right. in, the, in, in the script, he doesn't so much. No, he does it so, towards the end when right. it hurts the most. Right, that's true. Yeah. yeah.
1: Can we talk for a second about Rupert and his yes. just joyous <laughs> energy?
0: Yeah, Rupert Graves. Um, this guy is a masterclass in acting. Um, but what I love, he told me when uh, later that he decided Mr. Um, Mr. Weston was Santa Claus. So he just was like, you know, ho, 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 like everything was like, I am Father Christmas. (laughs) I am bringing joy and light to you. I just love how Mr. Weston, you know, is so, um, so positive in, in, in this sort of ridiculous situation he's in where his son never comes. Oh, here's another Mm -hmm. epic fight between them.
2: So this, in the book, this is the second half of the fight that you saw, um, earlier. in, In their first scene together.
0: Yeah, and I, what I love about this too is Mr. Knightley's composure is, um, you know, the stitches are coming out a little bit. You know, the first argument they have in, is just sort of a fun little tease, um, you know, over Frank mm. Churchill, um, sort of never coming and, and what it means to be a man and to, and to take responsibility. And by the time we get to this scene, he's just like, Yeah, I don't care if he's handsome, he's got nothing else, you know, I and mean, you could tell he's mm. jealous.
2: Mm. When he says he's not prejudiced coming up, it's, yeah. it's so
0: funny. That was my editor, <laughs> Nick Emerson, that's one of his favourite lines He He would say it randomly, prejudice, I'm not prejudiced. <laughs> but you know, I, I think what's so great about Johnny Flynn is that he's he understands when to be Prince Charming and when to be the, the little b- you know, he's just like so he's so annoyed with emma and that's the power she has Mm. over him but you know you can tell that he also just loves the trouble that she causes Mm. and you i don't remember if you said this but we really this is really important that this is not the taming of the shrew like emma does not get tamed they just sort of she realizes you know that she was wrong she's like on route to becoming a better person but she's not becoming a more docile woman
2: not at all and they're they're also um so well matched in terms of their intellect and their their imaginative kind of capability. They're both so wonderful in scenes of dialogue. Yeah. There's there's a critic uh, named Marilyn Butler who had this quote that I kind of kept in my mind all through writing the script, which was, she wrote, all the comic characters in Emma are monologuists, but Emma and Mr. Knightley are supreme in dialogue.
3: Oh, interesting. Um, I I just
2: loved that, that that, um, you can kind of see that they're meant for one another because they're so good at riffing off One another's arguments—they're exactly intellectually matched. Yeah. So the the book is kind of preparing you for their compatibility. Yeah. Even when they're most at odds, you know. Yeah.
3: I have heard it
0: described. Chris, you know this scene. Chris really insisted on the candles being out in the argument, so that when this dinner scene came on, it was like an explosion of candlelight. And you were so right about that that was a lot of candles yeah it was a nice <laughs>
1: contrast it gave us a place to go yeah I remember that was our Caravaggio
0: yeah reference oh, yeah. that I
1: loved so much
0: yeah it was when your mother died. Oh, I, know. I love this scene so much because Bill Nye, he is such a master comedian and um You know this was a really fun way of exaggerating uh everyone's concern for mr woodhouse and you know just the mere mention of snow i also love that mr elton you know has been giving emma signs that he's a total creep throughout (laughs) the party and she's really distracted you know and and um it sets up really nicely this carriage scene that's coming in and josh did so many little creepy things as mr elton that were <laughs> um make it sort of humorous that emma is so blind to what's going really going on and that he's obsessed with her is first, and be the catch your, death. your husband is not, is not strong another improvised line by <laughs> ollie is coming up <laughs> it did have to be austenized by eleanor but know the core of the i joke was his (laughs) Oh,
3: miss woodhouse (laughs) (laughs)
0: oh i
2: love how he's carrying his gloves that's the best
0: (laughs) yeah we had a lot of fun with the etiquette of the time period and using each character uh, you know dealt with the way he would be expected to hold his gloves or his hat or all their accessories and a way to sort of show like this. God, <laughs> oh, what a creepy is great.
2: <laughs> So this was actually the very first thing um you yeah. shot yeah. Yeah. This,
0: yeah this was day zero. Yeah, day zero. I still don't understand that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I must avail myself
0: of this it was actually terrifying and thrilling to start with this scene because it's um it's such an important scene the movie is like lost if you don't nail this but luckily we had josh o'connor and annie taylor joy at the helm yeah um
1: this was also our buck carriage yeah, yeah buck. this is the
0: only thing we did on a stage um and and i think that it's it's actually fun to. I think it it shows you know like our whole team and in, in from the actors and the crew to post really made this scene come to life um, and make you believe that you're in the carriage as it's traveling you know through town um, in the snow. Um, but we were really on a stage, um, and
2: uh, you know
0: both Josh and and Anya gave a, a variety of performances since it was day zero, and I I knew I would need especially with this scene some choices. Um, both of them uh, gave me a variety of of dark and humorous choices, you know, and um, and like you said, we had a buck, which means that um, we could take down uh, two of the walls in the carriage so that we could film from the side um, or from these angles, uh, you know, if we needed.
2: That line that Mr. Elton just spoke, um, allow me to interpret this interesting silence. <laughs> is I think my favorite line in the entire novel. <laughs> I know. I, you know. I, I think like that
0: line is something that I feel like all girls
2: <laughs> have experienced yeah, true.
0: with some guy who's just like not getting the clue that you don't like them, and <laughs> and in fact, the more you reject them, or taking it as signs of, of um of your adoration for them. I mean, there's so much comedy and darkness to the scene, which is why I love. you. I love it so much. And this is also a fantasy, you know, like match at
3: present. of,
0: you know, I think Emma taking charge of the situation and intimidating him is, you know, what we, you know, sometimes we achieve that in these kind of moments and sometimes we don't. It's another, it's another part of the the film in the book where Emma is guilty of something, but she's also suffering something, you know, mm-hmm. he's, um, this is a humiliating experience for her as well as for him. Um, uh, because she realizes that Mr. Knightley was right and she was wrong. And she's also trapped in a carriage with a man Mm. that she saw a certain way and now, you know, sees Mm. in a more threatening way than, Mm -hmm. uh, she thought was ever possible.
2: And actually, she has carriage moments with all three of the all three of her suitors in the film. So that oh. la- later, uh, when Frank Churchill arrives, yes. she's in a carriage, and then later, still, her big kind of showdown with Mister Knightley. I don't know
0: why I'm surprised. Yeah. I, I I planned for <laughs> those to be carriage. <laughs> <laughs> I just sometimes I don't really realize <laughs> this. I love that. Actually, I want you you. Um, you found out that Jane Austen and her family used to play this game, which is actually called bullet pudding. <laughs> yeah,
2: um, we, we wondered whether this is where the phrase "bite the bullet" comes from, because yeah. traditionally that was a bullet on the top of yeah. the, f- the flower.
0: Yeah, we used a penny um, uh, because the bullets looked different <laughs> back then. It just made things more confusing, but, but this did served a lot of purposes. It was, you know, telling you it was Christmas morning, I think, and it was, it was I, again showing you the <laughs> showing you the companionship that Harriet was leaving behind to be friends with. Emma and then the humiliation of being doing a game that's so fun and having her face covered in flour and and it was a physical humiliation Mm. for you know physicalizing of the humiliation she's about to suffer when Emma tells her what Mr. Elton has done.
2: I also love that later you know we've got um, Emma gets a nosebleed later in the film so you have blood on her face and the idea of the pure white and then the pure red yeah such a nice contrast yeah it's kind of like guilt and innocence yeah, yeah
0: yeah that's so interesting yeah Um, the colours in, in Harriet's, uh, school are really specific, you know, there's a lot of locations and homes and places that they go, and so we had specific colour palettes for each home so that, you know, if you weren't quite sure where you were, you knew you weren't in Emma's house, you know, and, um, and that was really important and I think successfully done. I love Harriet's room though, those (laughs) colours.
2: There was, I actually found there was another, um, a uh, game that was played in in this period that was in an early version of the script oh, if yeah. you remember it was called snapdragon i really wish we could have done oh my that God, it, it was a it's a game where a, a jane austen and her kind of people would fill a pewter basin with alcohol and then sprinkle raisins into the alcohol and then light the whole thing on fire. <laughs> and the the idea was that you had to diet your fingers into the flames and, wow. and snatch out one of the flaming raisins and eat it without getting burned. When you um, put it
0: in the script with my when we agreed to put it in the script, I also knew that the producers would immediately shut it down. Oh, the know, the know, actors really? would be like, Are you so you want me to do what? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was on the chopping block as soon as it <laughs> yeah, appeared in the it was,
0: it was fun to imagine. <laughs> um, Goodbye, Isabella. This was a really, this was a really important scene um, because, you know, Mr. Woodhouse has been the source of a lot of comedy and will be in the movie. But um, in this moment, you know, the tenderness between. I think seeing Emma's tenderness towards her father is really important because mm-hmm. she's also so guilty of doing such, such, how, committing such selfish acts in Harriet's life. But I feel like it helps you feel compassion for both um, Emma and her father. This is where the season card was actually really useful to just sort of show Emma's mm-hmm. impatience with Harriet's crush. And she was so tender in the scene with Harriet when she first was heartbroken over Mr. Elton, but now she's totally over it. We actually shot this in the carriage <laughs> because it was supposed to rain. Uh-huh. And uh, they were supposed to we were supposed to shoot this on the bridge over the stream going through um, the town. but um, I'm actually really glad. I thought it was a great idea to shoot it in her little glass carriage. Oh, nothing's going right if you wind that back <laughs> you'll see a dog um perk up its ears when she throws the oh, cool. <laughs> yeah.
2: we talked a lot about the the kind of the, the three apparitions into emma's life in the middle of this film there's uh jane fairfax then frank churchill and then mrs elton yeah they all arrive kind of one after the other and, mm-hmm. and each one brings out a a kind of a dark side of emma's personality yeah they they provoke her in different ways
0: yeah and this scene this scene was really fun because i think for the first time we see the inside of um, miss bates house um and uh i and for one there i i really wanted them to all behave like discontented teenagers the only one having fun is miss bates and because she's completely blind to the fact that they're all miserable (laughs) and i love you know emma describes jane as boring which um, Which we talked a lot about how people reading the book are often fooled by Emma's opinion of them. Um, Or, you know, I suppose there's a lot of ways to interpret it, but I decided that Jane was not boring. Yeah, we did, really, you know, Mm -hmm. and and that part of that was, you know, I thought it was important for them to both be a bit competitive with each other. Mm -hmm. Jane has a vested interest in being quiet because she has such a big secret, and the clues are laid out, you know, for you as you go through it in tiny ways.
3: Oh, mother. Do you
0: hear and her mother <laughs> myra myra is a scottish punk rocker by the way you, you need to look her up underneath that bonnet she's got like uh, a mohawk <laughs> true, true tales right chris
1: yeah she would sing her songs to us
0: what was the name of her band
1: i forget now
0: <laughs> sorry myra <laughs> so this scene i'm obsessed with cake which is obvious Um, This is all based on, you know, historical accuracy of the sort of types of desserts and foods. In the Georgian period, there's a lot of obsession with symmetry on the table and not a lot of practicality, but I was also using it as a way for Emma to say, oh, I have to host a dinner for you. Well, like, look out, man, because I'm rich and I'm going to fill it with cakes. (laughs) And I also like, you know, um, on purpose, no one is really comfortable eating in front of Emma or her father. (laughs) Um, I think we've all had dinners like that um and sugar was a way that you sugar was very expensive and it was a way of showing off your wealth so um you know it had there's an exaggeration to it but it had a there's a real reason for it
2: i must ask your cook for the method remember a lot of the conversations we had early on was where to position the audience Mm. in the kind of the various deceptions of the plot how far ahead of the the um relationship between emma and mr knightley do you want the the the, the audience to be or how far behind yeah and and equally with the the kind of the subterfuge that's going on with uh jane fairfax and frank churchill yeah so i think that in 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 our adaptation emma and mr knightley realise that they love each other probably much earlier than, than they do in the book um and and i think possibly also the audience might twig that there's something going on with Frank and Jane a little earlier. Yeah, Um,
0: I I wonder that actually, like how many people pick up on the clues. But part of that was, um, you know, in uh in finding out that that emma was the first detective novel you know Mm -hmm. that that you know the mysteries are revealed at the end and when you read it a second time you realize all the clues were there all along and so it was fun to sort of plant the clues and just you know along the way trying to figure out how much to bury them by the way like privately we all called this the piano battle (laughs) I love this. (laughs) it was like a regency rap battle Mm. between these two girls And it's important to note that Amber Anderson, who plays Jane um, Fairfax, is actually a very accomplished pianist and is really playing the, the pianoforte um, uh, and playing it by heart. Um, she's uh, She'll. We spent a lot of time doing, um, trying to find the right piano pieces for Jane to blow Emma out of the water <laughs> in the <this> scene. <evening. laughs> and Amber Anderson came over to my house a lot and uh, and and showed me a lot of different pieces. and And this was the one we decided on together, which was really exciting. Um, and then within a week, she knew it by heart. Um, uh, it's interesting though, because the pianoforte is such a different um, sh- uh, size instrument from the piano. She had to then relearn it on the pianoforte during rehearsals because the, the 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 keys are closer together and uh, I mean smaller, you know, and oh, there's, I didn't uh, know that. yeah, and there's yeah. fewer. Of them. there's one octave uh, yeah. you know that hasn't been born yet in <laughs> pianos. <laughs> I love my editor, Nick Emerson, always uh, loves this scene because Mr. Knightley is really becoming such a brat. You know, oh, I you, love his
2: posture. Uh, like so uh, much yeah. of it is just the way he's leaning. <laughs> yeah, you just want to kind of suck him in the face. I know,
0: but it's so sexy too. I talked to Johnny <laughs> yeah. about Johnny and Anya about this. I was like, okay, so you're being a total brat, uh, um, uh, Johnny, but um, I also want it to be like you're you're trying to goad her so much that you don't realize how close you've gotten to her mm, face, mm. and so that when she turns around and is offended, the both of you or have like a little inside, a little secret gasp about like being having your lips so close to each other. Mm and that's only achievable with all the distance that was that we really follow the rules of the etiquette of the t- period and you know if you notice that uh, and hardly anyone ever touches unless they're um family or um or becoming more intimate so mm. you know the Emma and Harriet uh physically touching you know it shows a progression in their relationship and that, um and and so that it could be very exciting you know and the same with Emma and Mr Knightley you know it becomes more and more exciting just for the fingertips um this scene is so <laughs> so I mean I'm I'm such a romantic mm. you guys I like this is uh I I thought it would be really fun for the sort of traditional rain scene in a romantic movie to happen with Harriet instead of Knightley and Emma <laughs> um you know it's sort of like uh uh, homage to the romantic comedy um
2: well it was actually because Mia goth plays the part of Harriet just so superlatively <laughs> and just you know she won everybody's hearts yeah. as to, you know so many of the cast so everyone in the cast but yeah. it was because of that that we added in the uh, the kiss for her and yeah. Robert Martin at the end because you know you you just your heart breaks so much in the scene yeah and and for her kind of throughout the movie that she really deserved romantic ending you know actually she gets the first kiss in the movie yeah there's something kind of nice about that it's
0: really fun especially especially because it's completely inappropriate for them to kiss um before they're married and so i you know in my mind i was like well harriet's the 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 the, you know the loose cannon she's a wild card card and (laughs) and robert martin's about to find out this is so so heartbreaking but so funny too oh, this
2: next shot is just <laughs> the best
0: because because
2: uh, <laughs> i realized
0: that when he in the book you know he says you know he's he's so kind and considerate you know he's worried about her getting wet but i thought it would be funnier if she, she was already wet and i told i told um, mia i said when he says that about like you know go where the ground is higher you know i want
2: you to look at him like god damn it you're supposed to say i love you <laughs> <laughs> there's even a slight sting in it as well because the idea of the high ground he's kind of like saying yeah I, I know where the high ground is yeah. just by the way <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you're not on it yeah
0: <laughs> see you later soggy bottoms <laughs> um so
2: here's a second carriage yeah
0: carriage going moment. back to Connor Swindles though I think that guy has got the I mean he's got like a legendary look of pain I feel like <laughs> I, I was talking to him about it and I was like I don't know where you get this kind of power Connor it's amazing <laughs> Um, yeah, Callum Turner, Callum Turner cantering away. We actually at the last minute, remember, Chris, that scene, he was supposed to, she was supposed to be inside the carriage and he opens it and reaches in to hand her something that Harriet's dropped. But it was such a beautiful day. And we realized we could take the top off of her glass carriage, which is kind of fun. You're right. You know, we ended up having so many pointed scenes in the carriage, but it's kind of fun that she's just like, a little doll in her in her perfect little carriage as he sort of eyes her and walks by. He's got quite by surprise.
1: Indeed he has.
2: There were not many houses in which I would presume on
0: so far. So. I love this scene because nothing they're saying is what's really going on. <laughs> he's just totally <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and what he's really saying is, I'm hot, you're hot. What's going to happen? <laughs> 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 she has perfectly moved into the the amber glow of the of the yellow tinted glass we had at the top of the, um, the um, hothouse. Um, Emma knows how to find her light. Actually, here's where I'd love to bring up um, something that Maurice Langen, the hair and makeup designer did. Um, we talked a lot about Emma's progression as a human and in, in telling that story with her curls. <laughs> <laughs> and we were doing very tight, like Regency accurate curls, not the sort of like curling iron curls of the 90s, you know? And um, what was fun about it was that, you know, I feel like her hair really shows the control she has over her life. And as the movie progresses and the wheels are popping off the wagon, the springs are popping out of the clock in her life, you know, her curls start getting messier and looser. Um, They start moving farther back um, away from her face to show maturity and maybe a sense of sensuality, too. Um, And it was really exciting for all the departments to sort of think this way about... About sort of showing the change in, in Emma's life, including your department, Chris, you know, uh, the way uh, the light affected her mood, you know, and like that scene before when she steps into the amber, gl- you know, golden light, um, uh, you know, shows her vanity and and she's aware of how beautiful she is, you know, mm. and and that they're sort of a match for for manipulation.
2: Mhm. Is where you have your balls, I suppose. Every fortnight through the winter.
0: I'm afraid, hybrid. We talked a lot when we were editing about what that candlemaker was saying to that lady over there. <laughs> 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 this scene takes place here because we needed another day in the ballroom, and that was supposed to be them walking into the ballroom to say in a messy ballroom full of chairs. You know that, um, like him saying, was seeing the potential of what mm-hmm. the ballroom could be. Um, and uh, we couldn't do that. so i I had this idea. I said, well, what if like they're they're clearing out the old chairs to make way for new chairs? you know and and there's this this chaos of like of chairs from the ballroom and and it symbolizes um, you know this uh, uh, you know the the beginning of building this fantasy ball, you know um, And I just also like the idea that it created a maze for a sort of romantic maze for for um, Frank Churchill to lead her through and start um, his deception.
2: It was a very good idea on the composer's part also to uh, play the music cue that uh, of the real dance later. Yeah. We kind of get a foretaste of it.
0: Yeah. The music played at the ball is, is historically accurate for, you know, what they would have been dancing to. And so it was really fun how um, Isabel took that and then created, like, like you said, the score version of that. All right. Here's my favorite line.
3: Spend <laughs> the day going to London just
0: to get his haircut. Sixteen miles twice over. He's a trifling
3: silly fop. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is something Johnny and Callum came up with, because I I cast everyone with a lot of size difference to sort of, you know, add to the comedy. And I love how Mr. Knightley seems like a big, like, powerful man, and then Frank Churchill comes into town. He's like, God damn it. Get away from me. You're so much taller than me. And and as a giant person myself, I'm six foot two, I've definitely had that where people have looked at me like, could you just step aside because you're making me feel small. Mm-hmm. This is funny too because they're enemies, but they're sort of aligned in the in, have the inappropriate behavior of Mr. Cole calling out and they don't just, let him off the hook. No, they're, they don't let him. Yeah. Off, yeah, they're like this is like yeah. Also, these girls were my favorite too. Coming up, yeah. the gossip girls, oh, yeah. the gossip ladies, <laughs> the gossip ladies were really inspired by um, uh, uh, you know pick a little, chat a little from the Music Man. You know the mm-hmm. the the ladies in the town. <laughs> <laughs>
2: delivered to miss fairfax this very morning with no return address i never saw so fine an instrument the piano
0: in every scene there was the sort of dialogue telling you what's happening and every actor knew what the sort of secret wishes and desires and annoyances were so so we always had these like multiple storylines going with you know that help lead the audience and the characters into these misunderstandings Why do you smile? that scene <laughs> is Especially um, Emma thinks that he's smiling at her and he's really smiling at Jane Fairfax.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Clue. Mm. I'd
3: rather one day it was never made before.
0: And perhaps, Miss Fairfax. I was so obsessed with that peacock. I made everyone, like all this, <laughs> yeah. the whole scene. Like, I was like, closer, <laughs> closer. I want that. I want them near those peacock feathers.
3: Huh. She has done her hair in so odd a way, I never saw anything like it. <laughs>
2: Must be a fancy of her own. One of the screenwriting books that's been really important to me is a book called Into the Woods by John York, which I highly recommend. And in, in the book, he's obsessed with midpoints. This idea that at the very centre of almost every story that you can think of, what well-designed story that you can think of, there's a there's this kind of moment for the character of, of true knowledge that sy- symbolises both kind of the furthest point from where they began, but also the, the start of the journey back. And so the, the midpoint of Emma's coming up It's when um mrs uh Weston says to emma you know i've made a match between yes, between yeah. M- mr knightley and uh <laughs> jane fairfax and emma so you see it, it in her face yeah, yeah. you kind of it's, it's almost like she's she's realizing how awful it is to have matches made for her. Yeah, she, she, She's exactly. kind of seeing herself f- from the outside for the first time, which, is, which yeah. is her journey on, on the film. It's
0: also the first time uh-huh. she realizes that there's a possibility of losing Mr. Knightley. Right. You know, there's always been this right. comfort that he's always going to be there, and imagining him marrying Jane Fairfax is this horrifying moment that she would be stuck <laughs> yeah. with mm-hmm. her enemy for life. Yeah. But also uh, that
2: Jane Fairfax would then be her neighbor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this was— And really, it's so
1: good, too. You can yeah. see the trend transition in the whole in the shot yeah. just this slow slow uh, oh, graceful push in <laughs> and, and yeah. you see her shift
0: yeah yeah exactly and, and um i also like that you know there's something sort of heartbreaking about this scene but also it's so hilarious because she's just like when jane fairfax looks up at mr knightley in this sweet <laughs> sickly sweet <laughs> way you know em, emma's like oh give me an break (laughs) um johnny flynn is obviously such an incredible musician and so this and and Amber's such an incredible pianist it was so fun to plan to have this musical moment that we could that we could really perform for um you know uh, in this moment live and and uh and isn't,
2: isn't it true that Johnny Flynn learned to play the violin in the house where Jane Austen died? Yes,
0: it is true. Yeah. It's yeah.
2: pretty amazing. So actually, maybe even on that violin, because that's his own violin. That's not it? his own violin. Oh, his actually, own we own had
0: to, um, he does have an old violin, but it wasn't the right period. So and oh. um, we had a, actually like a, a violin guard that was standing there oh. with this like really rare violin <laughs> with gut strings. Um, <laughs> nobody was allowed to touch until he played it. This was just really fun for me because I, I love seeing the way that they would have their hair curled the night before she would they would sort of heat these tongs for the final touch of the curls but those rags were how they would um sort of s- sleep at night with um to prepare their hair for the next morning this is like the the um <laughs> this is like the, the enemy ballet oh look who's in town yeah that's right buddy. So good. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> feels so funny in the scene so I love how there's no one saying anything, but we immediately get that she's sitting in their pew and that there's a whole choreography to this. You know, this is where the town is aligned and mm. in, in agreeing that Emma and her father are at the top of the food chain. Oh, yeah, here's Mr. <laughs> Elton's back. <laughs> and, and
2: again, in terms of, you know, the, the we're talking about bookends at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. The idea that the film uh, begins with the wedding in this church, ends with the wedding in the church, mm-hmm. and we're now halfway through and she's been displaced yeah. from her, from her, her place. At the front of the church yeah
0: and i read somewhere that mrs elton's purpose in the book is to, to shine a mirror on emma so it's to see her worst qualities in someone who like mrs elton
2: yeah i found i found when i was rereading the novel actually the more i read it the more the more sympathy i had for mrs elton each i feel time. that way too um, yeah she's well there, this i thought line, it was just tanya uh, reynolds <laughs> yeah, there's this line that she says um it, it's hold on
0: eleanor the hat let's just give a moment for <laughs> oh, this sorry, like I'm glorious <laughs> bonnet this is like my favorite bonnet in the movie all right continue on <laughs>
2: uh there's a moment later on in the novel where she uh it, it, hold it, it, on Eleanor the <laughs> I'm sorry I'm <laughs> sorry, <laughs>
0: sorry more it's, cakes it's okay sorry. I just had to celebrate no go on go on
2: um, and this well this is period uh, appropriate hair isn't it yeah it I mean, is they, they, it they comes, really did make bows out of their own hair they did
0: so. you know I think like a, you know a lot of movies are, have have softened the kind of like I mean as the fashion of that time period seems, when you really look at it, it, seems so ridiculous to us. And that's what's so fun about fashion is that, um, in retrospect, it always seems like ridiculous, you know, but, um, God, I loved her hair, Maurice. A round of applause from each <laughs> Yeah, of course. Um, and also, you know, I, in the scene before, I know I, I want you to hear your story, Eleanor, but oh, no, no, I'm so fine. excited. I'll, I'll, I'll come to it. <laughs> put it in later. <laughs> but I just wanted to say that Mrs. Elton's um, bonnet in the scene before with the veil, that was Alex's idea that she, she wants, uh, you know, Mrs. Elton wants to show everyone that she was the bride, mm. so she wears a bonnet with a veil. Left behind. We have
3: been
2: calling at Randall's. What pleasant people the Westerns seem to be. And who should call in while we were there? (laughs) Knightley. Knightley himself. Ah. (laughs) Of course, as so particular a friend of Mr E's, I had a great curiosity to meet him. My friend Knightley had been so often mentioned that I really was impatient to see him. And I must do my car sposo the
0: justice to say,
3: need not be
0: at all this scene actually was constructed to do a couple of things is it's really important that we see that mrs elton is the upstart you know socially and that she's the nouveau riche you know since we're poking fun at the class system um but in case you miss all that the whole scene is entertaining just because mr elton just wants a piece of (laughs) cake you know he's like please god no one ever lets me eat at this place frankie's returning this was just i took a walk around furl and i saw this grassy stairway we were supposed to do that scene somewhere else and i was like we're moving over here and chris without knew it was up whenever i would do that you'd come running you're like okay guys we're gonna make this happen for autumn (laughs) this was a fun addition i wanted to sort of see the intimacy between harriet and emma growing because it really it seemed important to show that Emma was falling for this friendship for real, that it wasn't just... Mm-hmm.
2: It wasn't self-serving anymore. It
0: wasn't self-serving anymore, mm-hmm. yeah, and that there was this companionship she never, never really had, you know. Oh, the ball. Nothing so romantic. <laughs> oh, Miss Woodhouse.
2: You must really
0: have had Aladdin's lamp. I think I miss sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Joyful. <laughs> Wanting for that. Yeah, those chairs, that was a, f- that's like a total homage to like my love of Disneyland. Those chairs are like those <laughs> Easter egg colors. Cave Quinn was very um, patient about my love of Disneyland. And uh, there's a few things that are inspired by my, you know, I don't know, like Pollyanna with Haley Mills and... <laughs> Ugh, Mrs Elton's hair. No,
2: it's just too much. <laughs> and those little
0: pansies on her dress.
2: I love that despite Mrs. Elton's hair just being so outrageous, Miss Bates is still talking about how amazing Jane's hair yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. Jane's hair looks so ordinary yeah. <laughs> We decided
0: that, you know, because it meant Frank you Churchill… can't even see it. Yeah. Like it's underneath <laughs> the feather. And Frank <laughs> Churchill makes fun of her hair just to sort of distract Emma. We decided, mm-hmm. Maurice and I decided that the hair should just not look like ridiculous right, at all. Just like just <laughs> there should just never be much of a change that she just looks pretty. And all, there's all this stuff made up about her hair. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, for the nerds, like me, those flowers in in emma 's hair were made out of paper because I asked Alexandra if she could if it could look like she had real roses in her hair and and then by the time you know the ball lasts all night and by the next morning, I wanted them to be browned from and almost like they're you know the the roses in her hair are dying you know oh, cool.
3: and so we well. they made
0: two sets of roses out of paper so that we could for continuity I really
2: well. am ashamed to always be leading the way. <laughs>
0: gentlemen you know i think that there's like so many things that have to have to happen at this ball like chris you know we how many cameras did we have we had three we had three cameras and uh and uh, a big part of it was that by this like all the misunderstandings and arc and mysteries are colliding so um mm-hmm. emma's you know has to fall out of love with frank by the end of this dance right yeah. <laughs> you know? well, there's
1: so many different looks to catch yeah. from so many different characters yeah and we have to, to see it.
0: yeah we have to see the secret like if you notice it you know then there's a secret look between frank churchill and mm. jane that mm-hmm. gives you a clue and and mr knightley saving harriet from humiliation is begins the misunderstanding that mm-hmm. she and him could possibly be in love and Emma is so grateful for Mr. Knightley saving Harriet in a truly generous moment in, mm-hmm, in Emma's, that mm-hmm. she doesn't get that Harriet's in love with Mr. Knightley after that moment.
2: Yeah, I remember early on in development, we talked a lot about how Mr. Knightley is not Mr. Darcy. Yeah. You know, he's, he's he's actually, he's got a very um, good nature. One of one of his lines in the novel is he says, I love an open temper. You know, he, he, he does like Emma's, um, Kind of fizziness and effervescence, yeah. and and how how lively her mind is. Yeah. Watson,
3: you will excuse me.
2: I love the score here. It makes me think that he's like this whale coming out of <laughs> I know. From, from the deep, you <laughs> <And> know, <laughs> coming we, out of the mist. Yeah. We, I mean, you know, it is like it is a heartbreaking.
0: I mean, Mia's performance oh, here is just extraordinary. Heart shattering. But also, you know, there is a comedy, you know, in my memory of my most romantic moments, there's always a version that's also funny. And I thought, I thought it was okay to dance with that because I think, you know, if you're in a certain type of mood, then that scene is going to break your heart. And if you're in another type of mood, you just think it's hilarious because, you know, the things we find, to be the most romantic moments of our lives are are these sometimes these little simple events, you know, mm-hmm. and where it feels like the waves part, you know, or the, the lighting changed in the room, you know. It was really fun just to really, <laughs> to try and recreate these dances and really see the choreography rather than just sort of skipping ahead to a bunch of people spinning around, you know,
2: my favorite moment from Mrs. Elton in the whole movie is yes. coming up. It's, yeah, a, it's really a little shimmy. Yeah. Oh, there it yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> That's
0: great. Okay. We got Mrs. Elton, we can always break a couple of etiquette rules with her because she's the new riche, you, know? <laughs> you know. This was, remember, Chris, this was a last minute thing, you know, they were kind of supposed to be watching, you know, standing on the side talking in the party, but. I, it was another moment. It was a hard, yeah, it
1: was hard yeah. to figure out where to isolate them. But yeah. this room was perfect. And, and I
2: love the slow push in as well. It's a, yeah. We stay on the shot for such a long time. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, it was it was beautifully orchestrated by you, Chris. Oh, so. Thank
1: you. It's another moment that we chose to use our depth of field in these close-ups because they're getting closer together.
0: Yeah. We were also really careful about, um, about our close-ups in general, right? Yeah. We...
1: Well, we wanted to earn him
0: yeah exactly hmm. yeah then he has chosen for himself and and Smith. oh those curls i mean come on anya you're so <laughs> cute johnny you're <laughs> so cute no
3: hmm. <laughs> she does you credit emma as you do her
0: ah, I'm sure. <laughs> come sit your companion it's nice because it it's so obvious that they love each other and I i thought it was okay that the audience start you know knows that you mm. know as part of the fun mm-hmm. is seeing the two of them
2: f- up yeah. yeah yeah you kind of know it you almost know it from the very beginning anyway yeah. you know because we're all so well studied in romantic comedies you yeah kind of, you kind of know the rules yeah I didn't yeah. think there
0: was anything to be gained by by hiding it you know mm-hmm. and I thought it was really important too because They both, there's so many near misses, you know. This is a big moment because he's touching her bare hand
2: for the first time. Yes, I remember when we were filming this scene and you were so excited that... When, when you found out from the etiquette ex- expert that actually they could have bare hands because <laughs> yeah. everybody else has gloves on
0: don't they we had this impassioned plea Johnny Anya and I went up to the etiquette <laughs> to Maria our wonderful etiquette expert mm. we're like Maria we want her to to have, have bare hands please it's really important she's like okay we can do this because if she just ate she would have her gloves off and she's distracted by love <laughs> so she hasn't gotten them on in time <laughs> You know, one of the reasons why dancing was so popular was because it was one of the few times they were allowed to touch like this. You know, so it was kind of thrilling. We just missed one of my favorite lines, which comes from a story
2: <laughs> oh. Oh, <laughs> when, yeah. when
0: Mr. Elton says, "I am not embarrassing myself." Yeah, <laughs> can and, you tell the story?
2: And when we were developing the script, I would s- sometimes come and tell Autumn things that had happened to me and she would laugh so much and just try and get them in, into the movie, <laughs> re, kind of regardless of their appropriateness to, you know, 1815 England. Uh, but but this, this line, uh, when Mr Elton Uh, Because, you know, presumably Mrs Elton would now be quite cross at Mr Elton because he's already declared that he's not going to dance again. So now she's she's kind of screwed because she can't she can't stand up with him. And
0: she can't show off. Yeah.
2: Right. um, But he's he kind of he he can't go back on what he said to Mrs. Weston now. Um, But but this this line where he says to her, I'm not embarrassing myself, came because I was I'm, I'm from New Zealand. and I was leaving the Auckland Airport one Christmas, a very packed airport. And I walked past a, a, a grown man who was standing with his grown children, there's kind of about three adult daughters, and he was just shouting at the top of his voice, I am not embarrassing myself. <laughs> and it was, I was just so funny, I just died laughing. Because of course, by saying that, he most certainly was.
1: <laughs>
2: so I'm very pleased. It was actually, when we first saw the film, my husband turned to me and he said, I wonder if that guy will ever see this movie? because said he, he won't know. He won't I know it was him. <laughs> he has been immortalized. Well,
0: Chris and I talked. You, you and I talked a lot about not abusing slow motion, you know. So we we actually, you know, the those slow motion moments and that romantic part that we just glossed over with our funny story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like you said about the close ups, we had, felt like we had to earn them. Yeah, we
1: picked our moments.
0: Yeah. But
2: I love that Emma's movement when the ca- carriage starts to move in that moment that we just saw almost mimics the slow motion. Yes. Because the, the, the kind of the gravity pulling her back. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. No, probably not gravity.
0: <laughs> More like inertia. <laughs> sorry, like, maybe yeah. they can
2: we maybe need to they make can, a call. Maybe they can cut that bit out. I'm gonna call NASA. <laughs> that, that sideways gravity that, that happened in Jane Austen's England. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh sorry. Oh okay, I love this hallway. <laughs>
0: This was our Jason Bourne moment in the movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. We talked about this. Oh God, everything was for that shadow, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Yeah. It only happened a certain time of day in that little courtyard in front of the, you know, in the, in front of the the front door of the house. Um, it was like a, a giant sundial.
2: I love how nervous Mr. Knightley is here, it's so romantic. Johnny he's... and
0: I had a real panic attack plan for Mr. Knightley, that he's, um, oh, yeah, oh, so he's yeah. having a panic attack, he's trying to control, and because of it, he he doesn't say uh, that he loves her in time before interrupted by. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel! The Harriet! Oh! What has
2: happened? She was set upon by some gypsies as she was coming home, but she <laughs> attempted to <an> escape. <laughs>
0: So there's a lot there's a lot of uh, things that this scene is doing. but one of them is that I, I really felt from reading the book that Harriet's fear of, you know, that's inappropriately called gypsies. <laughs> Um but you know that is how they were referred to that I really felt like she was exaggerating the drama, you know and and mm-hmm. I love that it was line a big yeah, and I love that that line that you know she couldn't get away because she had a cramp from too much dancing. <laughs> to me that signaled that she was not in danger at all, <laughs> you know and and just was was aiding in the propaganda of the, mm-hmm. the punishment of this like um, this group of people.
2: That was actually a moment that I thought um, Clueless did spectacularly well, you know, when she um, almost, uh, you know, gets killed at the mall, and kind of gets held over the balcony and then the mileage that she gets out of that afterwards. Yeah. What might have become of me, Miss Woodhouse, if not for the scissors?
3: We must send for Perry. Miss Woodhouse. I believe I am in love. God, I should be assured of
0: her safety.
2: Yes, and I shall rouse my father. We no, ought
1: to let them know that there are gypsies
0: in the neighborhood. Yes. Let us go at once. Oh, Miss Woodhouse, say nothing more. I think that, you know, this scene's so fun for a lot of reasons. <laughs> There's like a lot of chaos and, and ridiculous, absurd comedy happening. And my favorite part is Mr. Knightley getting jangled by <laughs> Harriet's and Sounds, how beautiful both girls are, and uh, the thrill of there being some danger in their very boring town. <laughs> Oh, Bill. Is she alive? Is she alive? (laughs) I feel like that's something my mom would say. (laughs) Mr. Woodhouse, I think I'm a lot like Mr. Woodhouse, and my mom is too. When my dog goes down the stairs, my mom says, careful. (laughs) Um, uh, this This is a really crucial scene because new misunderstandings are born. Uh, Emma thinks that Harriet is in love with Frank Churchill, and, um, and Harriet thinks Emma knows and approves of her being in love with Mr. Knightley. So, so actually,
2: n- none of this appears in the book.: No, I know um, sorry. <laughs> so, so Mr. Knightley doesn't come to Hatfield in the book to, no. to declare his love. I know, to
0: <laughs> I, know I think it's and, funny when people said that we like we're staged completely faithful to the novel, yeah, yeah. Uh, it exposes them a little bit for not knowing the novel that well) <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should have put like the sound of an airplane and like the noise of an airport in the this scene. I love this. Is another this is the Barry Lyndon house. Yeah, this is the yeah Barry Lyndon. Oh, yeah. A lot of uh, some of it was filmed in this room. Um, yeah, but, the
2: suggestion that all these women in the painting are looking at him. Yes, this is, this which is I'm very so annoying exposing. to Mr. Woodhouse
0: later. <laughs> um, I mean, I just I love that Mr. Knightley just has so many servants in this giant museum of a house and basically has no privacy. <laughs> And this was a last-minute idea to have the servant come in and then get embarrassed to see him, Um, all sixes and sevens. I hate you, Emma. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) This is the most passive-aggressive scene in the book, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Um, This is like a glorious ballet of passive-aggressive behavior. And if you notice, Mrs. Elton's hair is perfect and Emma is a hot mess. <laughs> mm-hmm. And also Mr. Knightley, all his cute curls are just sort of, like, flattened out. <laughs> Jane's like, my hair never changes. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Elton is like, these people are so boring. <laughs> Um, I
2: love um, Mrs. Elton's costume here. It's almost like two wings. It's like she's <laughs> an angel and the the two wings have kind of closed over her throat.
0: Yeah, and I've often felt there's a, you know, in the, one of the early scenes with Emma and Harriet, I think it's in the tea scene, Emma has a, like a sort of um, extravagant collar actually that seems to move with her like, a, like some sort of reptile. Um, and then I think, you know, Emma, as she's embracing the hot mess of her passionate, you know, newly passionate, frustrated life. Um, Mrs. Elton <laughs> is, is now the queen reptile. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: I also love Harriet's um, looks of longing to Mr. Knightley. Um, you'll see She's still getting out. the mileage out of her foot. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean it can't possibly
2: yeah. still be hurting. No. This is like <laughs> about six weeks later. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I love it. You know, Jane Fairfax, Amber just mm-hmm. it, you know does such a good job of sitting there like someone who's just about to burst at the seams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, I love the gardens at Wilton. Um, that that bridge is in Barry Lyndon as well. Um, I was obsessed with the idea of them strawberry picking and how funny it would look with, you know, women <laughs> in those corsets trying bending over. And it was sort of erotic, you know, in a way, to, bending over to pick up strawberries. And I love that there's all this accidental sexual behavior that happens, you know, and Emma doesn't realize, you know, that she's sort of blooming, you know, I think. and And Mr. Knightley is infuriated that he loves emma it's he's, it's exhausting him <laughs> just look yeah, bill right, bill, right. <laughs> bill told me that he was pretending that mr woodhouse hated that that, that the those relatives of mr knightley yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> And is furious that they have a giant painting like uh, heralding their, their family mm-hmm. line Jesus. i love this camera move chris
1: I was just gonna say the painting was the best motivation for lighting our characters.
0: Oh yeah, you're right.
1: Mm-hmm. And the close-ups that we have of Emma and um and Jane later, you'll see it more prominent. My eyes go.
0: I just wanna say Harriet's blue gloves make me crazy with love. <laughs> 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 oh god, look at her dress with that that seat no one but but anya and harriet were allowed to sit on that um on that bench by the way yeah <clears throat> this is like jane's like trapped in a chocolate box <laughs> these girls were so patient with me too because i needed them to stop on a dime exactly symmetrically with the fireplace yeah. <laughs> look at them ah oh, i love you guys Anya, Amber, you're my heroes. Look at that symmetry. We spent a lot of time measuring that out. I know. <laughs> I know, they were it's counting so nice steps. And it lands just perfectly. Oh, like my God. That. So satisfying. Yeah, they were all dedicated to my obsession with symmetry, which was great because then we used it, you and I used That was us
1: putting her in the paintings. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And I thought, like, you know, this is the equivalent of her looking like a, uh, at a poster of, like, uh, you know, a a rock star she loves or something, you know, like mm-hmm. um, looking up at the Statue of Venus, like this confidence and this like woman that, you know, uh, she aspires to, to, to be.
2: It's also such a symbol of, you know, Europe, these, that these fine young men would go over to do their grand tour and, and buy up all these sculptures that yeah. they would bring home to their house. And, and
0: this is the first time we actually see those sculptures because they're covered with sheets at the beginning of the movie. I love the shot. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just was obsessed when we were scouting this place. Remember the headless sculpture? Yeah. And I and I and the comfort because they're wealthy that they feel just interacting. You know, this isn't a museum. This is like what rich people had in their homes. And you you um adjusted the scene for this location because I really wanted those sculptures to make Frank feel restless that he had mm. not been able to go on the grand tour. Oh, I
2: remember that. Yeah, this the, yeah, the script was quite different. Yeah, we... it was
0: meant to be a painting gallery um uh and so um I also I love this scene because it's very sense like it's very sexy but it's also like the beginning of what we call the doom section <laughs> me and Nick Emerson are <laughs> the editor and that you know there's this beautiful like uh a uh, picturesque view and this like incredible picnic and everyone is so miserable. <laughs> <laughs> like this party is doomed from the beginning. We've all been to parties like that, guys. Oh, oh <laughs> I'm
2: getting stressed just knowing what's coming.
0: I don't Mr. Knightley's like I hate you. <laughs>
2: Our companions are excessively stupid. What should we do to rouse them? Hmm? Any nonsense will serve.
3: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm ordered by Miss Woodhouse to say that she desires to know
2: what you're all thinking of.
3: <laughs> oh dear. What we are thinking of?
0: Is Miss Woodhouse sure that she would like to know what we are all thinking of?
2: No, no. This
0: whole scene is a masterclass no. in acting. Every one of these actors... Oh, it's
2: just exquisite. Yeah.
0: yeah. And this is where we see a lot more, you know, Mrs. Elton is so annoying to Emma, but you start to sort of oh, love no, her. Oh,
2: no, I think she, she shows an aspect of herself. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, so, That's so this what was, I mean. This We're is in agreement. <laughs> this, is, this is the story I was going to tell you before. Okay, good. That in, uh, in the book, there's a there's a moment where Mrs. Elton declares that whenever a woman is... is uh, you know, needs defending in a conversation. She will always defend her own sex. That's her line. Oh. And and it's so interesting because actually Emma, Emma doesn't quite have that quality, you know. Yeah. And although Mrs. Elton is very competitive, mm-hmm. you know, she she looks out for Jane Fairfax, you know, to, to Jane's um, annoyance in, in, in the novel.
0: She does. So and She does she, have
2: some good qualities. And
0: she's mortified by Emma's behavior towards Miss Bates, even though you would think that Mrs. Elton would be the bully you know no, you, naturally miss, no, she's, she's not, not she's
2: not a bully at all she's no, more surprising she just than hates emma yeah <laughs>
0: yeah
2: i think that one of the things that makes this just such a an incredible moment mm-hmm. <laughs> is that miss bates actually laughs at herself first yeah so she's already she's already kind of humbled herself yeah and for emma to then Kind of takes the knife in, right? To take mm-hmm. kind of control of the joke and make it just so much worse it's just so devastating. Man, mm-hmm. that push in on Mr. Time is yeah. like, oh, <laughs>
0: just—that's a—that's a killer. Breaks your heart. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I, I, a, a
0: personal note for this is that one—a really important reason I wanted Miranda Hart, besides her genius um, uh, acting abilities. Um, intelligence as an actor um, was because she's six foot two and I'm six foot two and so we both experienced um, times in our lives when the sort of quote-unquote popular girl kind of hated us just because we were blocking their view of heaven you know (laughs) like you know and so I thought it would be really great for even though it's never said that Miss Bates is too tall for Emma's taste that she's annoying to her, not only because she talks too much, because she's just in the way, mm-hmm. you know, and she's uh, a presence that can't be ignored. And and so that bullying moment, this, you know, in this scene um, cut both uh, Miranda and I, you know, it was really it was really and, and Anya was so generous in being the bad guy in this moment, which is important in the movie. but. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like the movie just would never work if this if this scene didn't break your heart and uh, and remind you of those times when you've been heartlessly humiliated in front of people, especially in high school. You know, you sort of never forget those moments when you, no matter how big or small you are, you feel like um you know a giant thorn you mm-hmm. know in someone in everyone's finger or a, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: or a clumsy you know.
2: I think what gets oath. me is that oh I'm sorry yeah, yeah. I I think that what gets me in this scene is that I. I've been Miss Bates, but I've also been Emma. Yes, <laughs> you know, and it's just so we painful all... to to go. Oh, no, I've I've done that. You yeah, know? <laughs> the, the, um, Nick
0: Emerson, the editor, and I, we 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 in editing the movie, we decided that we needed to try and fool the audience into thinking it was okay to make fun of Miss Bates, laugh at mm-hmm. her, laugh at her, laugh at her, and and then you know. It seems like every time people see the movie they laugh when emma offends her for at Mm -hmm. first and then everyone is mortified and then
2: they hold their breath and embarrassed
0: and 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 that sort of mob mentality where you we all have moments when either we've been emma in that moment and stuck our foot in her mouth and humiliated someone or we've stood by and let it happen you know and so i think um okay i have to just tell one funny story here is that (laughs) because i love this scene um this is another scene where we're supposed to be in the carriage, but we took the, the top off because it was such a beautiful day, which was great because it, he's yelling at her, but she's positioned physically above her, which I thought was important. So it wasn't it wasn't like a physically dominating argument. And then and it also creates a more sense of loneliness in her.
3: She felt your full meaning. She has talked of it since.
0: Our script supervisor, <laughs> who is, was a, a perfectionist, so he um, uh, never missed a beat. But in this scene, when he, when Mister um, Knightley is yelling at her, when the camera, you know, we were doing his singles. The scene he ended, and you know, and and. And Johnny had just done this performance and she stopped. There was a pause and she goes, "Okay, I'm going to have to watch that back. (laughs) Johnny's eyes were too blue. I didn't make any notes. That was I'm sorry. Can we just play that back for me? (laughs) This scene, she was like completely (laughs) struck down with love for Johnny, as we all were in this moment um another producer leaned over to me and she said joe wallett you know she leaned over to me she goes do you think i could get johnny to yell at me like that (laughs) all girls
1: at the monitor in love
0: yeah Uh, i think all the actors and producers and crew we're all sort of in love with each other
1: this was a fun moment to yeah. play with camera as well, like leaving it really rough yeah. to match her emotions.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. which and which is very
1: unlike our language in the film.
0: Yeah, we did that a lot, right? Where the choreography of the camera would change for a specific moment to sort of. Uh, yeah, but
1: for the most part, it was very subdued and very mm-hmm. observational and yeah. graceful. So yeah. when the moments happen, where they move or we go shallow mm-hmm. depth of field, it you know it's more of an impact.
3: Mhm.
2: And I love that scene as well because I think, in a way, Mister Knightley's being slightly cruel to, to chastise her because she's already felt the it's obvious She knows she's guilty. Yeah. yeah, and it's almost it's you know there's so many mirrors in the the way that the novel was designed, um, but the, you know as Emma kind of took Miss Bates's joke and took it too far, it's almost like he's taking what happened and. He's just taking it slightly too far.
0: But he's also um, doing that as we do sometimes when you use something like that as an example of how, you know, this thing that you feel like this person you love does too often. You know, so it's really like the, the, um, the straw that broke the camel's back and his opinion about Emma. But also Mr. Knightley is just has so much more compassion for, he believes in the class system, and he he probably is just as much of a snob, but he has more compassion for the humanity of the people on in the different classes, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like that's how I feel about him. Mm-hmm. This is a beautiful Beethoven piece that Amber's playing that just breaks my heart. Um, I'm a big fan of the Glenn Gould version of it, um, even though I think Glenn Gould famously I uh, hated this the apasionata I think oh. <laughs> and played it too slow on purpose, I say supposedly to frustrate everyone, uh, but of course, I like that version best um this scene Chris, you and i this is about one this. of my favorite yeah. scenes in the film, yeah, and can you talk about how we like the, the the lighting for this is very specific,
1: well, we wanted to leave it very dim, you know just to reflect her um status mm-. Mm-hmm and Emma visiting, but they land in the light in the, against the window, and the close-ups to me are just perfect.
0: Yeah, and when we found this location, um, uh, I was so obsessed with it because, um, uh, I I imagined that Miss Bates, um, who had once been, you know, on Emma's level, um, socially but you know her family had lost their fortune um, and i imagined her taking the tapestries she loved so well from a bigger house mm. and using them to protect her mother from the cold and the damp and and mm. wallpapering the walls with them um mm. and i just love how oversized they are and they obviously weren't made to be in um a small mm-hmm. dwelling like that
2: we found it was really important in the scene that emma doesn't apologize for what happened yeah i think because it, it, to apologize she would almost be rekindling the humiliation for Miss Bates. Um, it would almost make it worse to to voice what it was that yeah th- that it happened. I also
0: think that Miss Bates is protecting... she's so she's so kind hearted that she's actually trying to protect Emma from having to humiliate herself which right. yeah. is yeah. you know even more humbling for Emma. Right. And I just love how Miranda starts Miss Bates in this sort of comical, you know, um, clumsy way. And then by that, she's almost like a, an angel in that scene where she, mm-hmm. you know... Her,
2: yeah, her, she has her, such depth. Yeah, and her yeah. kindness
0: um, is mm-hmm. shows, without having to say anything to Emma, is, you know, humiliates... Uh, Emma, in a way, you know, n- not by trying to emulate her, but Emma knows that Miss Bates is a, is a much more of an adult than she is, and mm-hmm. and uh, and and she's and I think Emma's missed out on having a mother figure in mm-hmm. Miss Bates by making her the the butt of her jokes.
2: But also, I think Emma's afraid of Miss Bates because Miss Bates's relationship with her mother is kind of echoed in Emma's relationship with her father. They yeah. both they both take care of an elderly parent, That's and they, they're also missing. The other parent. Yeah, um, and um, I don't. I don't think she likes having that mirror held up to her. Yeah,
0: you said once that it was like she didn't want to be infected with the spinster disease. I think right. you know, like she doesn't plan to marry, but she doesn't want to appear like Miss Bates, a spinster. But I also love how um, Miranda's size um, also becomes something grand in that scene. And yeah, she then, has such dignity and majesty yeah. in that scene. Yeah,
2: it has hurt me, Emma, very much. It has hurt his father equally.
0: This scene was really difficult because, like at this point, there's so many secrets being revealed, and this is like you know, like we said, it's the doom mm. section. And and um, Anya and I talked a lot about the different types of crying that, like Emma, just basically <laughs> cries from <laughs> to you know, like through She's the whole movie at this that point. Yeah, baskets.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Live, 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 right. <laughs> baskets Even, to everyone. Everybody gets a gift basket. <laughs>
0: but you know, I I I was like, you know, I was she was, at one point. Anya's was like, "Is this going to be too much crying?" And I, and um, and I said no because I think that I think you know. Yeah, she, Emma, Annie is in her 20s, and, and I—well, I still cry all the time, but, you know, in my 20s, I cried all the time. Yeah, yeah. And the different types of crime are really important, you know. Emma's crying because she's humiliated. She's crying because she's ashamed. She's crying because she's, you know, like a child has had her, like, candy taken away. Yeah, and she's
2: frightened as well. Yeah, yeah. and frightened.
0: And mm-hmm. then—and then finally there's this crying, like, I accept that I've destroyed everything, and mm-hmm. I don't know how to get out of this, you know. The scene, um, you know, Harriet just touched Emma's face and that was very, um, her initiating that sort of contact mm-hmm. with Emma was really important in in showing um, Harriet's confidence in their friendship. Um, and it was, it's like the that beautiful friendship moment before this, like, you know, we call this the big breakup in the film when Harriet is um, totally betrayed, finally. And for once, you know, I don't know that Emma had realized like the importance of m em- of harriet always believing in the good in mm-hmm. emma until she finally doesn't see it anymore and i think a lot of us have had that moment um sometimes too late where we we didn't you know either someone didn't realize like the value of our trust um you know or we didn't realize that that the love between you know you and another person is is almost completely based on trust mm-hmm. um and young people often realize that too late and i think that's what's so beautiful about this scene
2: yeah it was a real challenge i remember um kind of getting from here to the end of the film um there's or actually of, maybe even a little a lot bit of before endings. here because there's yeah. so many endings and in the novel the way the harriet um the, the, the way that harriet's storyline is tied up is quite it, i mean it's not Callous, or it, but it's quite kind of perfunctory in a way. She's kind of, um, she kind of just ends up with Robert Martin as a matter of course. And Jane Austen almost teases her. It's it, she says at the very end, you know, it would it'd be too much to ask that Harriet could fall in love with more than three people in a year. You know, she kind of mocks her at the very end, um, which obviously wouldn't it wouldn't do for a more modern adaptation. Which you know, we both felt, um, you know, from the very beginning that uh, this. What, you know what one of our central ambitions was that this film was going to take their friendship seriously and it was going to treat it like a love affair yeah um and not not trivialize it in any way yeah i mean you um, and i
0: both have i mean i the, uh, this is so personal to me because you know i i think a lot of women um their first um best friend um before they've ever kissed or fallen in love with someone is so passionate um it's almost sure, the yeah. thing that that tells, I, I think, a young girl that they can fall in love, you know, and and that loyalty to a friend, you know, and I think young, I think men, you know, I'm sure must go through this too. It's, it, it's really like the first crush that interferes with that friendship, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and a lot is at stake, and young people often don't realize that, um, and uh, and and you know, if you've only had one best friend, you might not know that how special that is to mm-hmm. have found a soulmate, and then the scenes just heartbreaking because I think for me it reminds me of you know those some of those friendships that were lost um, because of uh, betrayal or cruelty, you know and mm-hmm. and uh, and I just love that you you're so heartbroken for Harriet, but you also really are heartbroken for Emma because <laughs> yeah. you're just like, please, Emma, just you know, this is a this is a fantasy where someone like Emma actually realizes she's wrong and changes as much as a romantic fantasy of everything working out, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fantasy of forgiveness, Yeah. in a way. Yeah. yeah,
0: which, you know, hopefully people will experience, but sometimes you don't. you got to watch a movie to feel it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is another panic attack moment for Mr. Knightley, so Johnny's playing this scene as if he's just barely hanging on to stop himself from having a panic attack. And there's still more misunderstandings. <laughs> They're still, like, getting it wrong. That's what's so great about this scene is that she thinks she thinks he loves Harriet, he thinks she loves Frank Churchill, and then, well, no, in the she, middle in, in of the scene, she also then thinks that he likes James. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this is yeah, so high school too, you know, where crushes keep changing every five seconds. <laughs> Maybe Jane Jane uh, maybe um, Jane Austen was making fun of of Harriet in a way, just making fun of being young and and, yeah, and sure. the the crush mobile. You know where you think your life is over <laughs> if this guy doesn't like you, and then two seconds later, your life is over if that other guy doesn't like you. <laughs> I mean, I think the comedy of of being like a romantic is important to take notice. Also, I got in a lot of trouble for changing the scene to this tree.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but we discovered that um, the because it's the a chestnut horse, tree. It's trees. a horse chestnut tree. Yeah, and, it, and it, the um, traditional kind of meaning of the horse chestnut is true love, isn't it right? It's or, transformative or, 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 or tra- change. Yeah, tra- tra- transformation. Transformation, yeah. which could be
0: love, and. Um, and uh and but mostly <laughs> I, we were supposed to shoot this scene by the cherry tree, trees, which were blooming. And then I looked over and saw that the horse <laughs> chestnut tree was blooming, and it was like my new crush. And I was like, we need to shoot over there before those flowers fall off. And then uh, you know everyone. <laughs> Mm. Luckily, the crew believed in me, Um, and thank God for you, Chris, because you were the one that could reassure the producers that we could make this (laughs) kind of thing, this change happen without destroying our schedule.
1: Well, the cherry trees didn't look as good when we went back.
0: They didn't, yeah. Well, also, I realized that the the most beautiful part of the cherry tree is is above the head, and I needed Emma to be wrapped in flowers for this scene because, you know, I needed it. I mean, this scene... So romantic, <laughs> and so ridiculous. <laughs> um, so I, so I guess I'll start talking about the nosebleed now. Oh, yeah. Since by the, by now you know it's coming. Mm. But um, what I, what I wanted to do was to have this scene be the most romantic proposal, you know, that I could dream up, and then have it totally screwed up by a nosebleed. By the you know the I love I get nosebleeds all the time. <laughs> but,
2: but but actually, the nosebleed is a, was a symbol that again, in, in kind of olden times of being in love with somebody. Yeah. Yeah, it was taken as a token. Which of, we found um, out later. Eleanor yeah. said, let's just
0: pretend that we knew that when we put it in the script. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, in old English folklore, it's a sign of true love if you get a nosebleed. You know, we talked about this <laughs> moment right before the nosebleed of being, a, you know, him misunderstanding it for like sensual passion. And she's like, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> the yeah. other great thing about this scene is that Anya really got a nosebleed. So we had a moment, you know, set aside where we would cut the cameras and then put fake blood up her nose. And in the middle of that moment, Annie goes, well, you know, and the cameras were rolling because we only would have a second before the, no- the, the fake blood would start to f- spill out. And uh, she said, oh, I'm getting a nosebleed. Actually, I'm getting a nosebleed right now, guys. And so and then Johnny and I, of course, flew into a panic trying to resolve it. And she she like held her head up and then she's like, Johnny, ask me to marry you. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, oh, and then we started rolling and she. And, uh, and, uh, you know, the real blood looked amazing. Don't try this at home,
3: kids. (laughs) (gasps) That
0: That morning before we started filming, she got a nosebleed, too, and sent me a video of it. She's like, oh, my God, Emma's possessed my soul. I got a nosebleed. And I looked at the video and I got a nosebleed. (laughs) (laughs) So the nosebleed is a sort of a personal thing I have, uh, my body has betrayed me in many moments in my life and humiliated me, and, and uh, <laughs> the nosebleed has, uh, has been a source of, of great humiliation for me. <laughs> well, uh, I
2: remember one of the first things you s- said when we started working on the script together was mm-hmm. that you wanted these splashes of red to kind of interrupt yeah. the, 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 the pastel landscape of the film. Blood is and a good so colour. Yeah. So <laughs> blood, but also the, the, the red the capes, cloaks of yeah. the, um, of, of the schoolgirls. And then, and originally, we'd actually given the the nosebleed to Harriet, if you remember. No, I um, thought that was hiccups. We th- no, no, no. We gave it the the, the nosebleed. Oh, to you're Harriet, right. Really, we gave really it to Harriet. On. Yeah. Um, it was the, there's a kind of a dimension to the novel that ended up being cut out of the film. That had to, has to do with riddling and um, kind of making up charades and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And we thought it would be really funny if, um, while they're trying to figure out this really difficult charade, um, Harriet gets a nosebleed <laughs> right. with the kind of the effort, uh, the effort of thinking hard is going to give her a nosebleed. <laughs> but because she gets it in front of Mister Woodhouse, then there has to be this big panic, um, this big panic to kind of spirit <laughs> her away before he sees the blood, which would obviously yeah. make him go insane. Yeah,
0: um,
2: we switched it, I think, to the proposal scene too because.
0: You know, in a movie, I think when a proposal happens, you expect the movie to be wrapping up, and and mm-hmm. Emma still had a lot of work to do to to fix her relationship. Right. It was a
2: way of prolonging, mm-hmm. yeah, prolonging
0: the, the last act. Yeah, and I'm a real romantic, so I, if I can if I can eke more romance <laughs> out of a moment, I will. But I also think it is very it was important to me to humanize, you know, these characters and remind people that it was 200 years ago, but they weren't dolls, you know, um, they were flesh and blood like we are, and mm-hmm. there was just a different set of rules around them.
2: I still remember the day though you had to um tell mia that she was not going to get the nosebleed and then tell anya that that, that she was going to get the nosebleed <laughs> it was very traumatic for me i think no she understood but yeah <laughs> but she was a good sport about it yeah. she's always a good and
0: you was really excited yeah about she it, was <laughs> this uh, mia has such this oh, i love what, but this I, always
2: makes me cry i scenes. love
0: this scene so much and you know the this was um Mia's last scene in the movie and so the tears between them was was really their goodbye you know um as as Emma and Harriet in the in the film Anya and Mia were just heartbroken for this to be coming to an end and it was really special to watch
3: and I hope you'll bring him to Hartfield
2: <laughs> As I was a walking one midsummer's morning, I heard the birds whistle and the nightingales play, and there did I spy a beautiful maiden. As I was
3: a walking along my way.
0: This scene was added because I think I called you up in a panic. Remember, I called you and I said, Eleanor, I just realized we were already well into shooting the film. I said, I just realized if if we don't have a kiss between Harriet mm. and Robert Martin, we're not going to be okay with Emma getting everything she wants at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> so yeah, um, and she performs. Oh my god. Hold on, goodness. I gotta
0: say, a kiss under a bonnet. I don't know if there's anything sexier. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead.
2: I was I was gonna say it's a very similar thing. <laughs> It, um, I love this scene. One thing that was
0: important uh, is that, you know, I, actually, I I had Mia touch his lips first because I wanted her to tell him it was okay, right? Um, rather than there being this sort of him forcing himself on her, you know.
2: And I think it worked so well in the end because it, it's such a contrast with Emma's first kiss, you know, she's outside, she's in nature, she's... Mm-hmm. They're connected they're kind of, to the earth. They're connected to the earth, but mm-hmm. they're also kind of um because of that wall they're they're shielded from hartfield yeah and so they're they're kind of using the they're kind of pressed up against the wall in this very central way whereas the the dividers in this scene the the, the screens that come between yeah we've, um,
0: we found a lot of of interesting ways to create privacy in in this not private world yeah <laughs> but
2: i think that the screen ended up being such a, a nice symbol for the uh. film because it's so much about um, it, it limits your it limits what you can see you know it's a yeah. kind of a, a metaphor for blindness and yeah. and for um, you know uh, partiality.
0: Yeah and it was actually Bill Nye's idea to um, to make it really clear that Mr. Woodhouse wants, Knows oh, exactly yeah, what's going on. yeah, I really like that. On. Yeah, that wasn't yeah. in the script actually, no, and I really, I really liked wasn't. that he performed it like that. He came up to me and he said, and "Him and Johnny came up to me, sort of like the gloves thing. <laughs> we have an idea," and I was like, "Okay, l- l- let me let me hear it." And Bill said, "I think that I should." I should actually be the one that makes this happen, this kiss. And I was and I was like, that's an incredible idea. Mm-hmm. Also, I was in full panic since the screen thing was my idea. I was in mm-hmm. panic that this whole movie would be ruined by this ridiculous screen yeah. gag. Yeah. But it ended up being so I mean you lit it so beautifully, Chris, too. Thanks. Um, sacrifice your independence. You can feel the warmth from the tapestry on the screen and, and the candles and the sort of summer evening light coming through the window.
1: The candles in the background are beautiful yeah. i think it was this was such a hard one to figure out because there was so many spaces that were iconic by this point in yeah. the film but when you came up with the screen idea we were we were only the only concern was that it was too um closed in mm-hmm. and it came out it turned out perfect
0: yeah and They're actually their own this was cubby. tim bevan's idea for emma to kiss him first mm-hmm. um our producer from you know the head of working title he was there that day and he we were doing. I, I, would, I mean, I had the, Emma, um, Anya, and Johnny, and I had worked on, you know, what the what would happen in the kissing scene, and. and uh and it was really like, kind of a really special collaboration between the three of us. I think once they sat down at the monitor, I was like, how come I don't get to kiss anyone? <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was so fun because we were just, you know, I told them, I was like, this is, this needs to be like an ultimate kiss. Um, but Tim Bevan looked at me while we were doing that scene and he said, what if she kisses him first? And I was like, oh my God, yeah, she needs to, she needs to initiate it. And what I loved what Johnny did was that... He, um well first of all what i love that anya did is she pretended she wasn't sure if she liked him (laughs) (laughs) and then you know and he you know so she's up to her old games and 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 mr knightley loves her for that and that's what makes that kiss so special this scene breaks my heart Mm. i mean who doesn't have a fantasy is it bill he walks you down the aisle and gives you away (laughs) and cries about it (laughs) um this is really an important moment, because Mr. Woodhouse has told his daughter never to leave him, and, and then now it is his decision that he really wants her to marry Mr. Knightley, but it still breaks his heart. It's a it's a, it's a change that will, you know, can never be undone, and, and he loves Mr. Knightley like a son. He doesn't love his brother. <laughs> 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 um... This scene was so amazing to to shoot because um, because it was uh, we added it later. It um, we realized as the film and we were falling in love with all the characters. Remember Eleanor that um, that it was kind of after all the sort of hurt um, and problems that Emma had created. Um, it was important to see the town all together again. <laughs> There's all about to cry. I also love that Mrs. Elton is like. um... I'm not so sure about that dress. (laughs) Mm. Oh, Miranda, I love you. Oh, me, I love you. (laughs) Oh, Anya, I love you. Mm -hmm. I love you, Johnny. Mm. This is like, you know, there's a whole story that happens with the hands and, and the tenderness between them and the sensuality between them. And this scene is so beautiful. And Emma closes her eyes, and 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 that's that mm-hmm. bookend, you mm-hmm. know, that you talked about, you know, and. Oh, there's my hey, directing Autumn. credit. <laughs> <laughs> also, on purpose, Johnny's song starts on your name. By the way, Eleanor, I just want you to know, I was like, oh, "That's cool." That's my romantic uh, um, offering to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's
3: so beautiful.
0: Johnny wrote. Um, I asked him. You know, since Johnny's music is really um, so, so, um, so much bled from uh, British folk, and anyway, um, I thought that with the folk music that. That was important to me to have in the film because I I love the difference between the music that was, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, being played in the in the uh, in the in high society, you know, and in, in 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 the drawing rooms, um, and then the the folk music really represented the heart of the town, um, and and possibly like the the world that Harriet again was being pulled away from by Emma, but you know Jane Austen, um, someone told me that. Um, that that uh, that folk music, you know, that a lot of women, like Jane Austen, um, in in the 19th century, loved to sing these folk songs because it was the only time they could be honest about their feelings in public. So, um, you know, and folk songs have always been, I think, from, you know, America and, and, and from most countries, you know, there's a, a lot of drama and passion in the lyrics. Um, and women were able to sing publicly and choose a song that, that was, you know, maybe transmitting a secret message about their broken heart or the one they loved. And I picked the song that Mr. Knightley and Jane Fairfax sing, Drink to Me Only, because it's actually such a popular song from that time period and it's such a still, I mean, Johnny Cash sings it, like, it's such a, it continues to be a really popular folk song that sort of moved over to America um as well and I thought in a way it was almost like they're they, they're singing like the you know the top 40 the song the top 40 song of the day you know but it, it also is it really the lyrics of "Drink to me only helped with the misunderstanding um uh about who loves who because it's such a flirtatious song but um actually Johnny buried some of our names in um in the, the lyrics of the song really yeah he says uh, I think Bill Nye's name is buried in there with, like, the time is nigh or something, mm. Mm. and obviously, Autumn, you know, very clearly, mm. is about me. What's well, a very <laughs> seasonal song, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's actually about me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. The titles are nice. Yeah, know. he covers, the in the lyrics, he covers all four seasons, but he, it is also about me, Eleanor, by the way. <laughs> mm. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I also sang backup on the song. Um, with uh isabelle waller bridge and johnny's sister lily flynn and the incredible sam lee um mostly it was just such a super fun night um together recording this song i
2: like the titles them. yeah it's so beautiful yeah
0: oh yeah nick from thunderwing actually designed them but you know what actually that pattern on the side comes from embroidery patterns from ackerman's journal you know so in the fashion magazines of the day women were also you know and besides the fashion plates there are also these amazing illustrations for women to use in their embroidery the embellishments of their dresses you think anyone is still listening You know what, there was <laughs> my post-production supervisor, Ann Lynch, uh, said to me like, Oh, normally the the end credits are done like this. And then she looked at me and she's like, But you're not going to be okay with that, are you? I was like, Nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, designed from start to finish. I mean, just in case someone's in there. I need that, yeah, I need it to be great. pretty. Of course. It's got to be that peach color. Oh come on, Eleanor! You got a lot of stories to tell, <laughs> Chris. I keep trying to get you to talk about the lighting because you're a genius, mm, it's okay. but
1: I like to let it speak for my for me.
0: So what are you saying? I brag too much?
1: No, I like it. I like when other people brag about me. It's just not, it doesn't feel good when yeah, I do it.
0: I've seen one Woodhouse so far.
2: Mm. And the names.
0: Are you collecting names mm-hmm. for your next novel? Oh, well, I
2: do. I do often do that actually. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm very proud of the fact that everyone actually played the instruments they're playing in the film. Anya learned how to play the piano pieces she played. Amber, obviously, was already a classical pianist, and Johnny's obviously already a musician. But still, it it was very satisfying to have those performances not have to be taken over by a... It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. I think it it gave all the cast. I mean, I think everyone looked forward to the musical scenes, you know, to hear Amber playing piano. and. And uh, Annie was so hilarious when she sang her song. But yeah, it was fun. I think it affected the, the crowd, you know, the group. See, we end with the same... Yeah, it also made it more
1: authentic, the way we shot it. We weren't avoiding anything.
0: Yeah. Thanks for listening to, <laughs> to our rambling. I loved making this movie with Eleanor Catton and, and, and Chris Blauvelt and the whole crew. So this is our, our love letter to them. Eleanor, you want to say goodbye? Uh,
2: yeah, sure, yeah. this was just really fun. It was just a joy from start to finish. So I, hope, I hope you enjoyed the watching the movie as much as we enjoyed making it. Yeah, Chris? Yeah,
1: thanks, everyone. A uh, big shout-out to the crew and everybody involved, camera, lighting, yeah. best people actors. ever. All our set design and horses, and courses. hair. <laughs> actors, of course, <laughs> catering, <laughs> every single person involved.
0: Yeah, we love you. Big yeah. love.
2: Oh, I'm so pleased it comes back to the po- a yeah. point. Yeah, you have.
0: You haven't obviously sat in the theater <laughs> long enough to I see haven't. this, Eleanor.
2: I, is... I was probably weeping too much <laughs> the first couple of times I saw it. It's also
0: a sound bookend because it's the same time from Emma's oh, bedroom. Oh, de- I
2: definitely noticed that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. There was actually a specific clock for each room. And working title. I just. I love you. I wish that wasn't blue in my movie. <laughs> All right. Bye.